Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I am delighted to be joined by John Paul Mason. JP, another one in the bag. You know, yesterday we were talking going into that game uh, at half 12 and on, on the pre match about 14 games to go, just have that focus for the 14 games. I'll tell you what, if they're going to put us through the ringer like they did last night, it's going to be a tough old remaining 13 games. JP, what did you make of last night's performance? Uh, well, I wasn't there for a start and uh, criminally I wasn't uh, watching the game live either. I was actually at a gig shock. I was like, <laughs> it's either a gig or football match. So yeah, I'd been invited uh, to the LaFontaine's album launch last night and uh, they're good pals and I, I didn't want to be like, oh, I've suddenly got a ticket for the game because I did get offered, late in the day, got offered two tickets from two different sources for the game. But I'd already committed to that, so it's not all about football. But I, I did get out, and <laughs> Kerr, the singer, actually caught me checking my phone. Uh, and he was like, are you checking the Celtic score, JP? And, I, and in front of, like, 100 folk, and I was like, aye. And then everyone was like, what's the score? And I went, 1-0 Celtic. So that seemed to go down well with most in the, in the room. But, um, yeah, it, I saw the last 20 minutes live, and so I was just picking up. I really had no knowledge of how the game had gone before starting to watch it, 20, 20 minutes to go. Obviously, I was aware of the score, hadn't seen the penalty, hadn't seen Hibbs' goal, which was a, a cracker, to be fair to the guy who hit it, sweet as enough. That was a um, And I'm sure he scored a goal, maybe not similar, but from the same distance against us for Dundee United. Did he not score in that 1-1 game when we won the league? He did. Right, okay. Aye, that, that rings a bell. That's the same player, right enough. Yeah, he did. Uh, uh, that was a cracking cracking strike. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're tuning in at 1-1 and knowing how they played on Saturday, I was at the game on Saturday in the home end, um, thanks to a, a, an Axom viewer who... That's <laughs> the first time you've been in the home end at right. am I right? No, it's not. And, and, and this time I was actually sitting with the guy. So, uh, again, thanks very much to, to him for sorting me out. Um, and I didn't realise he was a Celtic fan until the weekend. For some reason, I thought he was an Aberdeen fan, but he, he's a Celtic fan. So he, he goes undercover in the in the, the home end of, <laughs> of Pataudry to get a ticket. And uh, so I'd seen what had happened on Saturday and I just thought, is this going to be the same story again? Like, how are we going to... It didn't really look like we were going to get a goal. Um, and obviously the, the substitutes you've brought on 
haven't been doing it from the start in previous games, i.e. Palma and Kyogo. So you didn't really have a lot of faith in them to, to do the business. Um, I did want Maeda to start and I did want uh, Nicholas Kuhn to start after the weekend because I was just like, right, I'm done with Abada in, in this current form and I'm done with Palma in this current form. Uh, and then obviously Kyogo gets a chance. I mean, it comes to him fairly quickly, but you're expecting Kyogo to get a shot away at that point. I'm talking about the one where it comes to him in the middle of the box. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was really worried because you kind of think that that's the chance. And also, the thing that's preying on your mind is Brendan Rodgers' record the Easter Road. I'm thinking back to the 0-0 game earlier on this season where we came away with only a point after only really deciding to play with about 10 minutes to go. <laughs> the, the first 80 minutes were largely forgettable. So then to get the penalty, and it was a penalty, I mean, there's there's no two ways about it. No doubt about it. It was a penalty, and Kyogo took a sore one in the process, and obviously good build-up play to get the shot away, the, the one-two with Matt O'Reilly, the tackle from Anthony Ralston <laughs> uh, cannot be forgotten. It was a Absolute uh, classic sliding challenge to win the ball, fair fair challenge. And as Mikey Stewart pointed out on Sports Scene, if Ewan goes into the tackle with the same conviction as Ralston, he's potentially winning that ball and they're breaking up the park on us. But that one moment where Ralston really showed that he wanted it uh, and then Farida to step up, into the Celtic fans, being able to probably see the whites of the eyes of a lot of the fans. Yeah. 22, a 22-year-old kid to be able to do that. I mean, he is, I was calling him a kid. He is. Yes, he's, yes, he's, yes, half, yes. he's half my age. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for him to be able to do that takes a lot of balls and a, a, a fair play to him because he's come up here with maybe a bit of negative, well, not a bit of negativity, some negativity um, from 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 the fan base. And as said last week, the optics of it didn't look good as signing a, a third-choice uh, player from Norwich City. It's not what anybody would have been thinking would be signing at the start of the window. No. However, as I said last week, I'd heard enough from the, that Norwich City podcast to tell me that he's got, he's got something about him. Now, I saw the chances that he missed um, I wouldn't say they were complete sitters. Um, I'm not sure. My, my mate said to me, "Oh, he'd have missed an absolute sitter." So I'm not entirely sure what one he was talking about. But um, he looked good. Um, he looked good and positive, and he's done something that we've been struggling with all season, and that's score penalties. And if yeah. that had been anybody else going up to take that penalty at that moment, having not already scored a penalty in the game, you'd have been concerned. Put it this way: if either had been off the park. And that was Lewis Palmer stepping up to take that penalty. Oh, the, nerves, the nerves would have been off the charts. So, look, it's not great that we struggled last night against a, against what is, by and large, a poor Hibs team. They lost 3-0 at home at St Mirren at the weekend. Um, I see my mate Matty talking about them all the time. It was sugarly peg chat for Nick Montgomery on Monday from him yeah. and mm-hmm. and. And, you know, we've just played a team that didn't have a manager at the weekend. Now they've got one in the, the shape of Neil Warnock, which is, is quite an interesting an interesting development. But but last night, yeah, it wasn't great, but a huge win. And as your tagline says, it could galvanise us. Whether or not it does is a different story. But a last-minute victory is something that spurred us on in the Ange Postacoglu season, the first season with, with yes. Ralston again being involved. Um, and I saw Ralston, my pal said to me last night as he was walking out of the game, he phoned me and he said, I don't think the players are playing for Rodgers, right? I would beg to differ on that, having looked at the reaction from the players. You saw Ralston going up to Vida mm-hmm. at the end, screaming, punching like his fists together. And I saw Bernardo's reaction in the background when the penalty was given uh, after the VAR check. Um, I just think a nervousness has crept in where it, it's not really warranted. We beat this Rangers team 
four or five weeks ago. It's not. It's not as if like we're we're waiting on a game against them and we're wondering how we're going to cope against them. Pretty much the Celtic side beat that Rangers side. Okay, they had a a midfielder, a defender in midfield that day, which obviously hamstrung them a little bit. But by and large, it's the same the same team. Um, so yes, they've found consistency, but. I don't I, this nervousness that's kept in. I don't know where it's come from. Whether it's the instability in defence, possible, yeah. um, and and whatnot. But yeah, it was a bit of a white knuckle last night. I I think there's so many different. You couldn't put your finger on one reason for all of that that you've just described there, JP. Right. I'm going to start off with uh, Ralston. Everybody in the comment section who watches Axe on a regular basis will know that nine-year-old me would be writing love letters to Tony Ralston and asking him for signed images, like I used to do back in the day with Paul McStay, John Collins, and yes, Andy Walker. But Tony Ralston is my favourite player. There's a great picture, actually, of them celebrating the goal, and it's him, McGregor, and Ida, the three of them, right? And they are absolutely buzzing. And I don't know if it happened in the challenge, but have a look at his forearm. Have a look at Tony Ralston. He's got a big gash on it. He's a warrior, Right. Another day there, JP, when Lawrence was on, he was talking about getting as many of that type of player in to try and stem this tide, as you say, like second-guessing yourself, doubting yourself, the negativity that creeps in. And I think that the only the only thing I can pinpoint on this is when you bring in so many players at one time. We, we've now got 11 new guys. We signed 11. Phillips is away back down the road, so there's 10 newbies. Or you could maybe say a lot is no new, although we just signed them. Nine new players being introduced to the dressing room, being introduced to the training pitch, that can change the dynamic or, uh, you know, the mood of the camp, the energy in the camp, because it's a third of your squad, you know what I mean? And I think that that's massive. It's really massive. What doesn't help is that Brendan Rodgers obviously doesn't rate the vast majority of them. You look at the, the starting lineup last night, uh, you know, Palmer had kind of been the shining light from the summer, JP, and now he's gone off the boil and he's on the bench. It comes on, Right, and I'll tell you, he almost sold the jerseys. So we go two one up. Uh, Palmer loses possession and then gives away a foul, twenty yards out of goal, puts us under terrible pressure because we know we're really bad at, at defending set pieces, right? And he turns around with that wee smile on his face, and you could wring his neck as a fan. You're, you're thinking, you don't get this, do you? You really don't get just what you need to do every single moment of every game to be a success at Celtic Football Club. He's got skill. He absolutely does have skill, JP. Nobody can, you know, deny it. Uh, going into last night's game, I mentioned he scored or produced a goal every 94 minutes in a Celtic jersey. That's brilliant stats. That's Kyogo-level stats at the beginning of the season. Yet, there, there's something about him. Um, there's a lack of defensive quality, but there's a lack of discipline. And I don't mean always getting boots. That was a lack of discipline last night, giving away the ball and then giving away the foul. The ball then breaks to him, JP, and what does he do? Gives it away again. We're talking 97 minutes of the game. This is the continuing theme on Saturday. Because of where I was sat in the in the, in the the ground in Patojo, it was high up in the Richard Donald stand. So great view of the game, unfortunately not surrounded by <laughs> my own support. But there was definitely other Celtic fans in there. I could, I could see uh, people, you know, sort of, Holding back and celebrating the the the, the equaliser. Did they give you a wee nod, JP? Did they just give you that wee? No, I didn't make that knowing glance. I didn't make eye contact with anybody, uh, really. Um, but uh, it's a weird experience. Really, really weird experience being in the home end at a an away game. It's it's not something that I ever would feel comfortable doing it like week in week out. But. Um, Joe Hart played an amazing pass to Lewis Palmer on Saturday. Inch perfect. Palmer brilliantly picks it out of the sky uh, and and brings it down. And you're like, wow, great. And then two seconds later, just gives it away needlessly. Absolutely ridiculous. Like To have that level of skill to do that and then not follow up with something meaningful and to be so nonchalant to lose it. And then the lead up to the Aberdeen goal, it was it was. Palmer uh, and Burnaby were culpable for. I thought. I thought that at the time. I was like, I remember seeing some wayward passing, and you see it back, and you're like, my god, that should have been dealt with up there. I mean, we had yeah. the ball, and then all of a sudden they're breaking on us, and 
Miofsky obviously puts it away well, but you could tell Navrotsky was was worried about doing anything because he was on a yellow. So, um, but yeah, I, I I know I share your um, annoyance at Lewis Palma, and and I, I wasn't at all surprised to see him drop to the bench. And yes, apparently we'll speak hearing you and uh, others talking after the match about um, Maeda and how he offered little in terms of technical uh, prowess. But I'd still rather have him in the team than Lewis Palmer, genuinely. Especially um, with Bernabe behind him. Because, mm-hmm. listen, I, I, I've been sent loads of messages this morning, JP, about Bernabe's performance last night because I've been very critical of him. I don't... So is everyone. So is everyone. I don't see... You know, the biggest issue here is weeks ago, we said, what happens if Greg Taylor, Joe Hart or Kyogo gets injured? We said it. What happens? Because the drop down in quality, and at that time we didn't have Ida in the door, so, you know, O uh, was away on international duty. Still Bernabe, is. Yeah, <laughs> Bernabe was the only kind of real um, left back rather than play some doubt of position because Mitchell Frame has got an injury. And then it was Scott Bain underneath Joe Hart. And I, I wouldn't have wanted to go into the game last night or at Pataudry, or indeed this weekend, with any of the three players missing. But we've had to. We've had to. So a lot of people are saying, and I'll bring it up once I come across the message about Bernabe's, at least they had a, a fighting quality about him. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Absolutely. I had a fight and quality about him, but, you know, I just don't think after 11 signings, we should be looking at someone who isn't a good fit in the team. I'm going to start off, though, because, JP, I have defended Brendan Rodgers to the hilt. Um, of all the names that I've seen in the summer when there was speculation around who would come in as a manager, Brendan Rodgers was my pick every time. Every time, Brendan Rodgers was my pick. Um, some people on Axon were saying Enzo Maresca. And by the way, it wasn't with hindsight, because I know he's done well this season. They, they genuinely thought it would have been a good uh, move from Ange to Maresca, right? So we bring in uh, Rogers, and we know what's happened uh, in, in terms of recruitment. But what I would say, right, is utilising the players that he's got at his disposal, he's made big mistakes. I think he's made big mistakes this season. Uh, and I mentioned today on a conversation on Twitter, um, first, Stephen Welsh injured again last night. He is getting the nods over £7.3 million of centre-half, right, that came in in the summer. Um, Ange Postacoglu didn't rate him didn't rate Welsh didn't think he was commanding enough but Brennan Rodgers in his own mind thinks I can turn this guy into the, the number one centre half gives him a, a spanking new deal um, and when he's fit he's played but he seems to be injured all the time I think that was a big mistake you've got 7.3 7.4 how bad is Lagerbell everybody goes on about his speed how bad is he we're going to find out because he's going to have to get drafted back in I'm guessing in the coming weeks but that, that's been a big mistake. So what you've then got is you've got two centre-halves who have come in. Uh, Navroski. Listen, I'm not writing him off either, to be honest with you, JP. There's certain elements of his game that I think he can improve on. But he's not had a, a right good run of games. And he's not had a good run of games alongside the same partner. Um, and then you look at Lagerbilt. That is just an anomaly. You know, the fact that we've signed him for £3 million. He's virtually out the door. He started doing interviews with the Italian press and we have to pull him back in. Then we get another injury to Welsh, and Lagerbilk is undoubtedly going to be on the bench this weekend, I would guess. I don't think he'll get thrown in. So 
that's a massive mistake. The way that we've dealt with the centre-half situation there, I think, the way Rodgers has dealt with that has not been good. You then move into the midfield. I said last season, I love Rio Hattati. I think he is a phenomenal talent. And I was looking forward to seeing how Brennan Rodgers could work with him. So what does he do? Match day one, drops him. He drops him. And he drops him for David Turnbull, who five months later is not even at the club. So you've made a big mistake in defence, Brendan. You made a massive mistake for me in the midfield. I know he's now injured, but what did it do to his confidence, his moods? You know, I, I, he seemed demoralised to me. So he's demoralised Lagerberg, he's demoralised Atati. You then move into the, the forward position and on the wing, right? So we're bringing all these wingers, JP. Tellio, you know, Jared at Celtic Down Under is telling us how great this talent is. Most expensive export out of Australian football. He played something like four minutes, four minutes of football. You've got Rocco Vata. There's the Claxon. One of the, the rising stars refused to play him because I'm going to play Mikey Johnson because I can get a tune out of Mikey Johnson. He believes in his mind he can get a tune out of Stephen Mills, David Turnbull, Mikey Johnson, right? Mikey Johnson now plays for West Brom. So it didn't work. So there, there's three things that haven't worked. and But the biggest one, the most noticeable one, Kyogo. So we've not played to Kyogo's strengths. The winners haven't played to his strengths. The manager's not played to his strengths. Hung him out to dry when he was asked about it. Remember, he said he's not been told to do anything differently. Then he dropped him for O. And then he dropped him for either. Now, by the way, either repaid the faith that the manager showed them, but he's a loan player. He's not even our guy. He's not even a player who we've got an option to buy at the end of the deal. And Kyogo, the top goal scorer for two and a half seasons running, how demoralised is he? At the end of the game, you try and read it. He seemed a bit down in the dumps to me. But there for me is four big calls that Brendan Rodgers has got wrong this season. So I've defended him to the hilt, JP. That mood, that kind of energy can spread into other facets of the, the squad. I don't think we're playing with any kind of belief. Um, I don't think we've got an identity as a team. How, how would you describe Andrew's team? Anybody in the comments section could describe it. How do you describe Rodgers' team? You know, so it's it's completely different, isn't it? Which is which is wild, considering how we were playing going into the winter break. Because I thought I think if you were to go back and watch, well, the Rangers game, uh, the the Dundee game, and then the St Mirren game, yeah, we scored what five, eight goals and conceded one, a free kick that was you know right at the death, like so. That the way we played in those games, nobody was coming out th- those uh, three games thinking, "Oh, we are terrible," or "This is going to be such a tight season," or anything like that. It's only because of what's happened really in the play since the turn of the year. The sort of s- scraping a win against Ross County, who get hammered off Motherwell last night five 0 and. And we we're beating them one 0 with a deflected goal in the first minute. And I know every football game is different, so it's no quite as black and white as to say, "Oh well, Motherwell beat them five 0 We should be beating them ten 0 or something like that. It, it, it doesn't always work like that. However, that is a, con- a a contribution to the way that everybody's feeling about how we're playing. Because even though we won that game, people were booing at the end. Do you mm-hmm. know and. and Never nice to hear. Um, and then, of course, we go and uh, and, and drop points at Pataudry. First game after the after the transfer window, which was the the game that really I think we had to had to sort of win to sort of really get the momentum back in our favour. And then it swung back to Ibrox on Tuesday, and I think that's how it's going to go. Really, uh, it's going to be a case of who blinks first. To, to bring back an old expression, so <laughs> I think I think I, I've not lost faith in Brendan Rodgers because of this. I think you're right; he has made some definite missteps. I think it's up to Kyogo, specifically Kyogo. I mean, Hatati's injured, so there's nothing we can really do about that. But with regards to Kyogo, it's more a test of his character now about how he deals with a challenge because he's not really had a challenge. He's not had anybody threatening him. He's had a jersey every week based on his past endeavours. Abada got a jersey on Saturday based on his past endeavours. What did he offer? Nothing. Apparently it was terrible last night. Apparently it was terrible last night. I mean, 
like I said, I lost. I saw the last twenty minutes. What what minute did he come on? Because he I mean, only got twenty five. Only got twenty five like, last my, night. My nerves, my nerves were shredded. I was, I, I wasn't really focusing on what people were doing or not doing last night in the last twenty minutes. I was just hoping for a goal. Um, but more so on Saturday, it was it was really really poor on Saturday to the point that I was like, well, that's him. He's not getting. A, he shouldn't get a start on Wednesday. Coons come on, scored a goal, looked lively. But then Coon apparently last night <laughs> wasn't that great. Disappointing um, last night. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of everybody said that that it was a bit of an empty jersey. Mm. I, I think it's far too early to be sort of writing him off in that sense, but it's a bit concerning that someone that you've signed for three million quid, isn't he, having an instant impact in a game like last night where you're playing an opposition that aren't on on song at all really um, but it's up to Kyogo really how he deals with this because you can either shrink and feel sorry for yourself or you use it as motivation to prove that you are the number one guy because um, you would imagine Ida will keep his place for Sunday I don't know how you he, could drop a guy to. yeah he would need to well you're right though we've been calling out for Kyogo to get a challenge O's never really challenged him. I think no. there was two games this season that Brennan Rodgers decided to drop Kilgo for O and he never took the opportunity. He didn't take the opportunity. And this far down the line, I mean, O has now been at the club for 13 months. He's not established himself. He's got time on his side, not writing him off, but he's not really made the impact that you would hope your backup striker would make. Uh, and the way you flip that and say, saying about how Kyogo, we've been calling for the, the challenge of Kyogo, uh, all last season. In fact, I think since um, Yakimakis left, mm-hmm. we've been calling for someone to challenge Kyogo. Now he's got the challenge, and it's up to the wee fella to step up. I um, thought Brendan Rodgers did go up to. I know you said something last night about the body language and everything, but I think Brendan Rodgers was going over it and say, "Are you are you all right after the challenge?" And Kyogo said, "Yeah." Like so, I. I I, I I wasn't as concerned with the body language of I, I was looking into the positivity of the players. Your Anthony Ralston celebrating, uh, uh, Palma celebrating with Ida as well. I mean, the, this guy's brand new and he's all mm. he, he's already won respect of the team from from you know not very little. He scored two penalties, but. Um, given the way we've struggled with penalties, that they are massive in the context of of this season because where would we be had we put away the penalties we should have put away earlier this season? I can't remember where they all came, but I'm pretty sure they, if they've come in games that we've dropped points. Yeah. yeah. How, many yeah. Have we dropped, how many have we missed this season? Five? Have we missed as many as five? Something so. like that. Yeah. No, yeah. The, the thing with either, you made a great point because I noticed it last night. Um, his eye line, JP, the camera was over his shoulder and his eye line was right in front, obviously, the Celtic support behind the goal. Mm-hmm. And you could see them. You could see them going through the ringer, like what you were. You know, you, you were saying that your, your nerves were shredded and that's exactly what Celtic do to you. And, you know, he, he, I don't know if he's making eye contact with them or if he's blurring them out, but their pressure. Remember the TV show Balls of Steel? Remember that? You should be on quite late. Balls of Steel, Kutzpah, every expression you can imagine, he had it in droves last night. Callum McGregor mentioned it in the post-match as well, and he handed him the, the man of the match award, um, Callum McGregor, and he, he mentioned the fact that, he, you know, the nerves that he had, he stepped up brilliant. Could have had a hat-trick. Could have well, had a hat Absolutely. See, the, the one that frustrated me the most was when, yeah, uh, he got a great chance where there was space, JP, right? And, you know, you've got footballers who work on instinct. And if, if they work on instinct, they do it and it's done. And they don't think, and they don't have time to make the mistake or make the wrong choice. He second-guessed himself and he, he never got his shot in and he never passed the ball. And, and he could have done either of the two to, to equal effect. And he, he basically didn't do anything. He dilly-dallied and then he ended up having to turn around. That was the one I was disappointed with because I thought to myself, just strike it, mate. Strike it. Because, you know, imagine I'm getting a hat-trick last night. Two's, two's enough for us. We'll, we've won the game. Um, but, you know, I think promising, even against Aberdeen, I thought it was promising the fact that when um, Ida comes on against Aberdeen and when Kyogo comes on against Hibs, we keep the two up top. I thought that was a promising development because Rogers seems so 
like rigid to his shape, JP. So it's good to see, even for small periods of time, the two of them on the park at the same time. Is there a is there a chance that he might do that against Saint Mirren, or do you think he's going to play it safe, Brendan, with the two up top? I, I mean, they, they did play for a spell at Petodge at the weekend together, and it yeah. didn't look didn't look terrible. The, the, the idea of it is certainly good. They'll hope they'll use the old sort of the old adage, the big guy and wee guy sort of thing. So maybe, but. I don't know. I just right now, given the performances of the wingers last night, I don't know who's playing on Sunday. I I don't know who the team is. Um, is it probably the same team? Obviously, save for injuries. I mean, don't know how bad Johnston's Novoski for maybe Welsh. Novoski for Welsh. Yeah, but I don't Welsh know. How, yeah, Johnston. You would imagine looked a pretty bad head knock. I mean, is there not a mandatory time that you have to be? Off the field after a head knock, sure, uh, yeah. is that a thing? Mm-hmm. So you'd imagine that would change it, but the the, the the forward line, you probably will keep the same based on the fact that it was a forward line that got a result uh, against against Hibs. Although the two wingers that were on the park at the end of the game were the two guys that he dropped to 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 be replaced by Kuhn and Maeda. So it is an interesting one. St Mirren obviously off the back of a of a decent victory against against Hibs at the weekend. Although it's been a difficult place to go in the past, we made very light work of them in the game on the second of January. That's only a month ago. So you'd like to think that we could go and, and do similar, but Sunday's all about the, the result. It's not about whether we win three, four, nil or whatever. You just want to get get through that and Hope the team play play through this kind of nervousness and and allow confidence to come back because there's no reason why they shouldn't be confident. They're a good won enough a, team. Won a treble. Won a treble last year. Well, not this exact team, but but they've done they've done it. They've hit heights this season that with the majority of this team that suggests that they can do far better than they're doing right now. Hundred percent, and and another conversation I've been having, you know, people going about um, not replacing Starfield, Moy, and Jota like for like with the same level of quality. But I think you can go a bit deeper because over a number of transfer windows, JP, if you don't get enough quality or experience back in the door, eventually three or four transfer windows down the line, it starts to show, and I think that's where we are. So if you go to the beginning of um, Angie's time, there's the Ange Claxon getting stick for that yesterday. Um, we lost. Obviously, big players at the beginning of that tenure, Eduard Christie, I never played for Ange, but the other two did. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then we lost at the end of the season, Beton and Rogic, quite surprisingly. So bags and bags of experience out the door. And then from last season's team, like you quite rightly say, Moy, Starfelt, Jota, Yakamakis, and Juranovic. That's 10 players. That's 10 players over a period of two years who were big players for Celtic. There was bags of quality there, bags of experience. And what we've done is, is we've more or less replaced them, not like for like, but we've brought in a lot of young, inexperienced players. Um, who would you say has has replaced the, 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 the departed player? Maybe an argument about Johnston. I know he's not been at his best this season, but maybe an argument about Alistair Johnston. But for every other position, I don't think we have. I mean, if you're going to go as far back as Right, Edward was replaced by Kyogo. Yeah, I think that's sufficient, right? Um, who replaced Ayer at centre-half for Celtic? Cat Vickers, aye, that's sufficient. But when you start moving in, we have lost a lot of experience as well as quality. And eventually, maybe four transfer windows in, if you've not had a good run of it in the transfer, in the recruitment, then you come to the point, JP, where there's a bit of a dearth of experience and or quality. I think that's well, where we are. Well, well, this is something that was put to me on Saturday, I did the post-match with Melly from 20 Minute Tims on Saturday. And he was 
right behind the whole sack the board uh, movement and or not movement because it isn't really a movement it's just a chant at the moment it, that's all it is to me I, I, until I see something a bit more concrete I'll put my, my hat on it but um, I, I don't like personally see the point in sacking the board right now what so we just turn around today and sack the board. Then what? Then we're left looking for people to come and do a job. The the problem that he pointed out to me was the recruitment team. And I said something like, oh, well, Mark Wall's got the summer to basically save his, his, his job. But in actual fact, as Melly pointed out, it's, it's this is going back two or three transfer windows. And you've pointed that out before as well. So there's two things on that. One is... Brendan Rodgers spoke very interestingly last Thursday in the press conference about the need to move up a bracket in terms of the players that are being looked at. Mm-hmm. So if the player, say say there was a filter and it was two to four million was the players that he was being presented with and he just went through them all and went, no, 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 I don't want any of these because they're no better than what we've got and I don't see them coming in and being a first-team player for Celtic, which is what, if we're spending money properly, that's what we should be spending money on, i.e. Carol Starfelt, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Jota, Alistair Johnston, and the rest. So the one thing that would make me think differently about what's been presented to him is if they did adjust the filters and moved, moved the filters to between four and seven million or something like that, and then surely the chances of there being players in the list that are presented to Brendan Rodgers, the chances of there being players on that list that he'll be like, yep, I want him, let's go and get him, or let's go and get him. Mm-hmm. So is it the case that that's what we need to do and therefore that will then improve us? Or is it just the case that they're not very good at their job in terms of recruitment? They're not very good at finding the the gems that we need to find Matt O'Reilly's Van Dykes, you know, these these type of these type of players are even not even as as valuable as them. Like even just a, a Juranovic, where you you have a player that you sign for three and a half four million and then sell for ten. You know, you're, you don't you don't need to be looking for the big bucks every single time. Like if we could get two seasons out of a four or five million pound player to then sell them for ten twelve million to a Spanish league, that's good business, especially if you're selling them at 27, 28 or whatever it was Jaranovic was so um, I think that's that's the two questions I would have is does it does it give the manager more food for thought if you move the parameters up and you're going to try and spend bigger because that is what we ultimately need to do to improve this team, yep. so it's either that or they're just not very good and they've not got the right connections, they've not got the right contacts, they've not got scouts in the right places, all completely uh, speculative speculative on my part. I don't know. They could turn around and be like, what are you saying? You don't know anything. But the evidence that we've been presented with in terms of the players that have come to the club in the last two years, it's not really... It's not not looking good for them, is it? No, no. And they would turn around regardless and say, what do you know? But I can tell you, you know, you can speculate or you can speak to people. And that, that's what I love doing. And, and I spoke to a great number of people at the St. Rocks game, for example, uh, connected with the whole process, JP. And it is pretty clear that we're not following something as structured as what you've even just mentioned. You were, we're buying players based on recommendations, be that recommendations through previously the City Group. I mean, Tilio, uh, even as... as uh, Recently, as Tilio, he, he's a City Group connection, yeah, and he's gone back to the City Group, and um, also agent recommendations, whereby Starfelt's agent recommends Lagerbilt, and and he's not going through that filter. They're not checking his metrics. They're not checking if he's fast enough for the incoming manager Rogers, who wants his uh, defenders, as can be seen last night from the stats, to be able to play loads of short passes. And if you're not good at short passing, you're not going to play for him. So Lagerbilt was a terrible fit. And it was because we haven't gone through a stringent process that you've just described. So when it comes to data-driven uh, recruitment, that gives you a shortlist. It doesn't sign you a player, like you say. So if, if you're looking for a left back and you put in that, right, I'm willing to spend up to £7 million on this left back, like you say, four to seven, right? And he needs to be 
under the age of 25, and this is his wage bracket. And you get 130. And they're playing in Europe. 136 players come up on your screen because it is a data system that they're using, JP. And then you start looking at the, the performance metrics, right? He's only five foot eight. He's an inch smaller than Greg Taylor. We don't want to buy him. We want someone with a bit of height, physicality, speed. They've got to be good in aerial duels because we're terrible at set pieces. All these things are basic. Fans can tell you what we need, right? And once you put the metrics in, it takes you for 136 players, maybe to 12 players. Then the scouting team comes in and goes and watches them. And that maybe halves it again. And then you've got a proper shortlist of players. The gaffer, like Andrew Postacoglu used to do, he looks at them in the whites of their eyes and sees, are they hungry? Are they, have they got the passion? Have they got the mentality to play for Celtic? And at that point, you, you make your call based on what the manager wants. We're not doing any of that. We are absolutely not doing that. Um, in the past, I think, Ange had a really good insight into certain markets that we hadn't utilised or hadn't utilised for a long time, and it worked for him. But some of those players aren't really the, the type of players that the board like. So if you look at Yakimakis, Juranovic and Starfield, their age profile, GP, means that when we sold them, we didn't make 10 million per player. We might have made a million here or there. But the thing is, they brought in the experience that we needed at that time to mm -hmm. steady the ship. We went on to win a double and then a treble on the back of that kind of thought process. Um, in the summer there, quite clearly, we tried to buy nine guys that would make us a profit. Other than fact, Nat, Nat Phillips aside, we tried to buy players that we could turn a profit on. They were all guys for the future. They, they were not ready for the first team. And I think he's got a bit of a tune to Palmer for parts of the season, but he's shown his deficiencies in recent weeks, especially when the chips are down. He just disappears. And, and last night, the discipline was horrendous. You mentioned Abada. He was bad as well, um, and, he, and he should know better because he, he's, he's known nothing but success in a Celtic jersey. 97 minutes on the clock, he gets the ball at the halfway line and he, he literally kicked the ball out of play. He kicked it into no man's land and it went out for a... So he's given away possession, put yeah. us back on the back foot, JP. And you're looking at things like that. That's just a lack of discipline. Um, but yeah, the recruitment is, is terrible. And if they want to turn around and say, what do you know about recruitment? I can see it with my eyes that last night was probably one of the biggest examples of Brendan Rodgers not playing the guys that signed in, in the summer. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there was a banner last night, but I totally agreed with the banner on Saturday, which said Celtic uh, board on your heads be it, because th th like this is playing out in front of us, uh, the reality of the poor transfer window in the summer, because the January one, OK, we got two players and never really thought we were going to get... Uh, first team players at four, five, six million pounds coming in. Although it can happen, I just didn't see it. Um, I certainly can't believe we didn't sign a backup left back, given that Greg Taylor's injury occurred in the transfer window at a, at a time when we could do something and there was nothing, there was no shortlist to call upon, whether it was a stopgap or anything, anything other than, you know, we didn't need to go out and spend five to ten million on a left back. Could have just got somebody in until we had a target identified in the summer or whatever, but somebody to come in because fortunately when he was asked about it in the press the other day, he said, we'll look at Greg Taylor for the weekend, but if not the weekend, he, he'll, he'll should be back for the following week. That's fine, but like there's obviously, as you and I and everybody else knows, players don't always come back from injury on time. And if they do come back on time, there's no guarantee that they're not going to break down again. So, we were genuinely rolling the dice on that and we, and we recruited badly in the summer, recruited badly in the window before that and the window before that. So therefore, it gets to, gets to May and we don't win this league, then there there is a huge, huge target on those at the top because they've employed these people to recruit and they've given the, the list of players that they've given to the manager. And if it has been only of a certain bracket, then that means that they have penny-pinched, whether that's Peter Lawwell coming back. I really wish you could know in black and white if he has if, if he has impacted this at all or if it is just he's like this sort of spectre that's there that doesn't actually say or do anything, but just the fact that he's there, it's like, oh, we better not spend that because Peter will get on at us for spending over four million on a player like in my mind, that idea of that is nonsense, although I know people truly believe that. But um, 
but the the the, the target does get aimed at them if yeah. we fail because we should not be in a position where we're failing. It's as simple as that, and that's not entitlement. That's not being demanding. That's fact. <laughs> like we won a treble last season, we should be coming in. They've sacked their manager in November, um, and he's now wanting the, the 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 club that he's moved to. Most of their fans want him out as well. So we we've got uh, we've got a, a, a jump in them from that. So mm-hmm. I, I just don't I don't buy into the fact that we shouldn't be streets ahead of them right now. Absolutely, JP. I mean, by the end of the year, by the end of the season, rather, we could be in a scenario where we've got in and around the £100 million mark. I mean, we're talking Scrooge McDuck territory here where you've got a seller in money and you can just go for a swim in it now and again. What's the point in that? What's the point in that? We're not reinvesting it in the stadium. I was up at Celtic Park this morning doing a delayed Wonderland Paradise. We delayed it because I wanted to get the Hibs game in there. Thankfully, I was talking about a victory. Um, but you walk around Celtic Park, there is so much that could be done in the stadium. Yeah, there's going to be uh, an upgrade to the Barrafield site. You get it. But in terms of what you're actually seeing on the park, I said it the other week there after the Martin O'Neill gig. I said sometimes put the money on the park. Not all the time. JP, you can't spend like that for four transfer windows on the bounce, but sometimes put the money on the park, you know, because I think we're scrimped and scraped. I don't think there would have been any urgency from the Celtic board going into January like there is with you, me, and loads of the people in the comments section, which I'll get to. ASAP. Um, it's just that once JP and I start, we, we tend to run with it. Um, but, you know, there's no sense of the urgency from the board members because they do sit there and look at us as being entitled, demanding, um, greeting-faced fans, even though it's it's fans like us that, that bring the money to the table that then gets locked in a big cellar that doesn't get used. What, there's no point. I like the fact that your club's st- stable, right? Financially secure. But you don't need £70 million for that. JP, you don't need a hundred million quid for that. You absolutely don't. I mean, it's not like we're going to release another three or four jerseys next season and no Celtic fans going to buy them. It's not like we're going to announce the renewals of season tickets and nobody's going to buy them. There's going to be that big influx again, but you've got to be successful for that to continue and the feel-good factor to continue. When Neil Lennon was um, appointed the Celtic manager first time round, him and Peter Lawwell, people uh, who are involved in Celtic supporters clubs, may remember they went on a road trip. They went on a road trip to drum up interest in Celtic season tickets. And I remember they went to Greenock and it was almost like a panel show, JP, where Peter Lowell's there, Neil Lennon's there to drum up interest in the club. They don't have to do that at the moment. You know, we're on a wave of success and we are in a, a, a risk, I think, of we're in a title race where we're seriously at risk of losing the title. That could happen. Next week, Rangers are playing one of the worst teams I've seen in the Premiership in, in recent times in Ross County, and they're managerless, right? So how many managers are they going to have this season? They're, they're going how to be... Eric Adams, I only found out this morning. How long did he last? Three weeks? Four weeks? It Surely one of the, half, half a dozen games. Surely one of the shortest ever yeah. uh, managerial spells. He was ever. moaning for the minute he came in, JP. He was moaning about the job he had. Unbelievable scenario to be in. They're going to have three managers in one season. At the beginning of the season, on the first Wandering Paradise, I said, Rangers, Aberdeen, Hibs and Hearts will all change their manager this season. And they all have, except for Hearts at the moment. And they seem to be doing okay. But we shouldn't be in this position. It's not a situation where we're here. Oh, how did that happen? We've been talking about it every single step of the way. It's not as though we didn't see it coming. I'm keen to get as many of you involved as well on the comments. Jungle Lion. Too many times this season we've said this. This is it. It starts from here. Absolutely. I said that, um, I think I said that the week of the Hearts game. Right, whatever's happened be, be, before now, let's draw a line and let's go. And, and then obviously we got beat. And then you, you then look at the, the games running up to the Rangers game. Right, okay. We need to win these two games leading up to the Rangers game. And then I, So we are on a run, but the performances have not been good enough. Ian Roy, uh, thank you for supporting the channel. Always appreciated. And Stephen Sloan, how does a recruitment team manage to find a conveyor belt of wingers that can't beat a man across a ball? Recruitment data, Stephen. Comes down to data, doesn't it? I mean, all that information is available to you, JP, on the systems that elite or so-called big clubs use. Celtic should be able to tell if a player can get past the man. 
uh, can hit the byline and, and cross the ball in the way that Kyogo likes him to cross it in. And if it doesn't tell you in the metrics and in the data, your scouts will tell you that. Yet we've bought all these wingers who can't do it. So Stephen Sloan makes a good point. We've spent £10 million on wingers who don't play the system that was successful. Well, as he's, as Ben Roger said in the interview, you don't know, you can't, there is no metric for heart or desire or courage, <laughs> confidence. Like Bravery. I was talking about bravery, wasn't it? Those, those, like, I mean, Abada was constantly cutting inside uh, and not going down the line. Uh Against Ross County at home, and that's why we weren't getting chances. We should, we should have put way more than a one goal past Ross County at home. Let's face it. And if you have your wingers on song, you've got a guy up front who is a proven goal scorer, and would have been putting them away. So the the, the winger thing, whatever you look at in terms of the data, doesn't tell you what you find out about a player once they're out in the cold, in front of 60,000 people who demand success and demand uh, 100% every every game. They don't they don't want, you know, a trick here or there and then no goal, no end product or an assist. You know, uh, you need you need more than that. You need if you, if you've shown you can do it once, you should be doing the same thing every week. I, I believe if you're getting paid that level of money there shouldn't be, there shouldn't be ups and downs. If you if you know a player's good enough to produce the goods, it's why you get frustrated at players because you've seen them do it. Um, the only thing is, there's players that are there now that haven't done it for quite a while in terms of probably a badder being being the the, the, main, the main one. Um, and whether that is to do with his personal situation, whether that's affecting him or not. Some people would argue that he never had it and he was just had a knack of getting in the end of things and but he didn't actually possess any real trickery or skill, which is kind of what you need to have as a winger, uh, more often than not. So I don't know, that that's an issue. And whether or not it's one that could have been dealt with in the January transfer window, I don't know. Or whether it's going to be looked at in the summer, whether or not he'll move in the summer because of mm-hmm. the pressure that's been put on him. Um, by people back home or whatever, or whether he's unhappy, I don't know. I don't know. The thing, the thing about Abada, he was one of the players, JP, that when we signed him very quickly, he's talking about getting a big move elsewhere. Mm. You know, I think Quan spoke about that as well. We got his big move actually to St. Mirren, but Abada was talking about that as soon as he came in the door. And for the first two seasons, I would say that Abada was, for me, at the age of him, I thought he was an incredible signing. But you know if that cycle comes to an end, be that through his own ambition to play somewhere else or because of the situation um, in his homeland and he's getting a lot of pressure from people in the international team, etc., friends, people who can influence him, then the time to sell him would have been probably in January. But I think the club are probably looking at that and thinking we can't maximise the price for him in January, so we're going to hold on to him. And we're, we're going to burn ourselves again because we know what happens if you keep a player against their will almost. You know, Edward, for example, or... Um, Ayer or Christie, if you keep these guys for one season too long as we did in the 10 in a row season that, that never happened um, then you get the performance because the head's checked out the head's out the door JP and their shoes should follow now listen, um, you last week sent me a brilliant wee video which I've not shared on the socials it was just one of the personal things that you sent me not that kind of personal and you're at King Tut's and it was the glory in the dream. And it was the first time it has ever been played live by the Wakes. Now, mm. you've got to take a bit of credit for this, actually, if you want to dive deeper into the roots of me knowing Paul, because he's a, a long-time friend of yours, Paul Sheridan, of course, and uh, us asking them after a meeting with J.J. Gilmore and speaking to J.J. Gilmore, who was a co-writer of the song, along with Gary, Gary John Kane from The Proclaimers, J.J. wanted the Wakes to cover it. He wanted the, the weeks to cover the song. For anybody who's never um, heard the story, in a nutshell, what happened was JJ uh, Gilmore, formerly of the Silencers, um, he was also in East 17, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. He was. Not that, no. He replaced Brian Harvey for a spell, and East 17 wrote some songs with Tony Mortimer. Um, don't know where the song played. Did he ever play live? I think he did, mate. <sighs> wow. You look that up. 
And Gary John Kane, who had played with the McCluskey brothers and he's been the bass player of the Tokamers now for over 20 years, they wrote a song for Celtic. Celtic were going to release it as an official track for the centenary season. It was called The Glory and the Dream. And uh, it was finally overlooked for the Celtic rap. Celtic released the Celtic rap instead. (laughs) He heard it, hence the reason he's laughing. Um, But The Glory and the Dream existed as a demo. And on that demo... It was JJ, Gary John, um, one of Gary's brothers, I think it was maybe Pat from Hugh and Cry was on there, one of the McCluskey brothers. A, a whole collection of Scottish acts were on this demo. And and Gary John just mentioned it, like, when I was talking to him on Axel Monday, that they'd done this, and I was like, do you have the song? That's the kind of stuff, JP, that I love. Unseen archives, all that kind of stuff. And he had it, he sent me the demo, we then got permission. JJ... Um, Gilmore, and back in the day, he wanted uh, Christy Moore to sing the song. And if you listen to the demo, I know, if you listen to the demo, it sounds like a Christy Moore song. Um, The club wanted Richard Jobson to sing it. Now, Richard didn't know this, but the club wanted Richard Jobson to sing it. Nobody sang it. It lay in the vault. We resurrected it. We recorded it with the Wakes feature and Carly Connor and J.P. Mason last week saw and experienced that played for the first time. I built this really up. Can if you come back and say it was all right? I've built it up now, JP. How was it to be at King Tots and see it come in full circle? No, it was great because as I stood there and I hadn't looked at their set list, I knew that they were playing for the thick end of two hours because um, Paul had said um, how long they were going to play for, but I hadn't looked at the set list, so I didn't know for a fact that they were playing it. So when he announced it and dedicated it to... Um, me and Chris in the room and Axel, because obviously uh, Chris is a Celtic fan as well, and he was doing the lights, and I was repping the show. So it was it was a really it was a really cool moment, and just to, I was just think I was thinking of like you going, wow, you've kind of like had an impact in changing the course of history, not in a massive way or anything, but just in the case of like this wouldn't be happening right now had it not been for the work that you did with him and, and getting them on board to do the single. And the, I, just the simple kernel of the idea. Um, so that in itself, so I, I immediately um, started filming it because I was like, I should film this. Kind of a big deal. And I knew it would mean a lot to you because, you know, a, a song getting played in a sold-out King Tuts is a pretty cool moment. And Amazing. yeah, it went, went down well. And so did Fields of Athen Rye, You'll Never Walk Alone, um, Bella Chow. There was it was a great a great set. It was it was proper and uh, they had a great time. They, I think they they did two nights. I'm pretty sure they would happily come back for a third. Um, such was the buzz. So everybody else had a good time. And no 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 nonsense. The bar staff said to me, "Couldn't you believe how nice the crowd were?" And I was just like, "Well, that says a lot, doesn't it?" When's your um, Oasis tribute band? Tomorrow night <laughs> with Eric Meco. Uh, Declan did an interview with him. That's all that. that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Declan did an interview with him for uh, for Glasgow World. So uh, I, it's, I'm looking forward to. It. They've got a Stone Roses uh, tribute band supporting called Resurrection. Yes. Don't, don't don't know anything about them. Are they not from United Woods? I'm sure they're from Bathgate or something. Are they from West London? Are they? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll meet. To, I'll find out tomorrow night when I meet them. But. Um, yeah, that's tomorrow night. It should be a good, should be a good laugh for a for a Friday night in touch, and it'd be interesting, interesting to meet Eric Demeco. <laughs> what a what a random encounter! I've, I've had a few, but that's definitely possibly the most random. He won they're the so Champions, Champions League, didn't he? he won the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they're so excited about playing touch as well. I mean, I've been emailing them about the just organising the night and stuff, and uh, they're all like. Like mega buzzing to be playing touch because it's well for obvious reasons, you know. Um, I think just even just to be in the dressing room that they know that Oasis were once in uh, many many years ago. But it's quite quite weird. He won the Champions League in the same year that Oasis played touch for the first time. It was nine. It was ninety three. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, so, JP. I, I, that didn't that didn't dawn on me until I read Declan's article when I was like, oh. Did Declan mention that, did he? Aye, aye. Ah, nice one. So I'm trying to think, think now. When was the, the Tots gig? Was it March or May? 
May 31st, 1993. May 31st. And, and your Champions League final would have been the same month, possibly. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's wild. Oh, full circle. Love it. Get yourself to touch. Has it sold out yet? Tomorrow night? It's not. It's still tickets available. So if uh, if you want to come along and sing Oasis uh, along with a slightly French-tinged uh, uh, lead singer, a uh, French-tinged accent lead singer, I can't even speak. But you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> the guy, he, he does have a slight French tinge to his, his, his Liam Gallagher, which is in itself quite uh, amusing and pretty cool as well. It is cool. If you want to see a bit of French swagger, go to King Touch tomorrow night. I'll be in Belfast with Jackie and Sid tomorrow night. Look forward to uh, speaking to Paddy Lavery, who i seen in the comments earlier. Kevin Mullen, afternoon action, papering over the cracks, big problems at Celtic. Rangers are favourites for the league. Uh, they look more together than we do. A badder was a waste of a jersey. He clearly wants away. He, he did not play well last night. Jim Edgar, uh, surprised Brendan didn't hook Kuhn. I'm bringing this up because I want to know what you, your thoughts are on what to do with Kuhn here after 30 minutes. He, he was poor. He looked out of his depth. The players stopped passing to him when they figured he wasn't going to take his man on. I think the first thing I noticed about him was um, Hibs were more of a threat in the first half down Kuhn's side, right? Um, and obviously we had had the issue with our first-choice right-back being injured in the first nine minutes of the game. Uh, Ralston, who I think is a solid replacement, but we were a wee bit uh, dishevelled and a bit disjointed. And Kuhn had to do a bit of defending, JP. And it goes back to a point you made before. He, It's like you know all these guys have been the best at the previous team, but the previous team aren't a, a team of winners. So if you do something pretty spectacular, score a goal, set up a you know, a goal with the outside of your boot, you can Instagram it for the rest of the week. But at Celtic, it's not about that. It's about 90 minutes of discipline, working, making sure you're switched on. That's the mentality we're talking about. And I think Kuhn probably got a bit of a, um, a wake-up call last night with regards to the fact that it wasn't about jinking past players. It was about tracking players, making sure you were goal side, tackling players, tracking back, covering for Ralston when he was overlapping. And he looked like a, a fish out of water. But in saying all that, JP, I don't know how you know he would how it would be received if he was to be dropped back out. I don't know if that would be a good move, particularly when Abada came on and he was completely ineffectual. In fact, he was poor when he came on. Yeah, I, I, just thinking about it as you were talking there, I don't think he will drop him on Sunday because it's not a very good look, is it, to start a player? Fair enough, he doesn't finish the match, but. The, the, it's a victory. So ultimately, he played the majority of the game. Okay, he may not have played that well, but I think you've got to give someone another opportunity. I mean, Abada's had quite a few opportunities of late, and he's not really, he's had several. And it's not as if he played like one bad game and then had a an okay game and then a good game. He's pretty much had three poor games since the winter break. Yeah. Um, and therefore, I, I would. I would say Kuhn probably deserves to be given another shot on Sunday to, well, there's going to be discussions that have been had about the game last night between Brendan Rodgers and the player. The player will surely go through individual things from the game uh, and things we pointed out to him that he did well and didn't do well. And you'd hope that that's what happens after games is players analyse the performance either themselves or with the management team or the coaching staff to then be like, right, this is what you don't do and this is what you, you do do. So so hopefully that's that's reflected in what he does on Sunday. You know, I always think back to Victor Wanyama and I remember um, coming home from a game that we were playing at home and he was rotten. He was really, and everybody around about me was saying how bad he was and everybody on the bus back uh, was going on about how bad a footballer he was. And then we'd done that event recently with Charlie Mulgrew and Mark Wilson they were, and Charlie Mulgrew said that Victor Wanyama when, when he'd started training with Celtic he didn't even look like a footballer JP it looked as though there had been some kind of con you know remember Graham Soonis was conned when he was at Southampton I, yeah. I forget his name um, and he was presented with some guy who couldn't play he said that's how bad Wanyama was and we know what he became you know and, and it's all about sometimes just building that confidence up in the guy um, and giving them the game time. And to be honest, I'm not quite sure what the alternative is at the moment because Palmer has been playing really poor. Abada's been poor. Vata's come on for a couple of cameos. I don't think he's ready to start in the cup. 
you know, it could all go terribly wrong, and, and then you start using people as scapegoats. So I would keep Kuhn in there. Jerry N, before we go, the last point you're going to make is the Beatles are just a 60s version of Oasis. There you go, Jerry. I never got the Beatles thing with Oasis. I never got the... I know they constantly went on about them. I know they always mentioned them, and they were influenced by them, but I didn't hear it in the music, JP, personally. Uh, aye, there's a fair bit of it, but I mean... The Oasis wouldn't exist without a band called The Real People. Like, if you've ever, if you've never listened to The Real People, listen to The Real People's uh, debut album. Uh, they've got only got two records, I think they released a second one years and years later with the material that could have been their second album at the time. But yeah, two brothers in the band, and I don't know if you know the story, you will know the story about them recording late night with with Liam like the, the first time Liam ever sang in a studio was because the the real people let him into their studio and they he sang through a mic in a studio and they all just kind of looked at each other as if to say this guy's voice is amazing and they're going to be big but they had like a late night stoned slash drunken session where they wrote some tunes and Columbia was one of the songs that mm-hmm. um that came out of that and there's there's quite a bit of their their album that that um, that Noel Gallagher has blatantly blatantly ripped off, um, as he has done the other stuff like T Rex and Slade and all the bands that he was listening to probably mm-hmm. in the seventies growing up. He's nicked riffs left, right, and centre. So um, there's there's I think is a um, Maybe is it don't look back in anger? There's a, a direct rip of an away of a Beatles. I, off the top of my head, I can't remember, but there's no way that Oasis are Oasis as we know them without the Beatles. I don't think. I mean, John I'm Lennon. I, I, know, I mean, Liam actually for a spell thought he was reincarnated <laughs> as, <laughs> as Liam Gallagher. Um, what I would say about the real people is, if you're into that kind of thing, go on to YouTube and listen to a song called "Feel the Pain." Right, because that was a song that the Griffiths brothers actually um, went legal on because Noel had ripped it off to such a degree they were taking it to court, um, but they couldn't actually continue with the legal fees and they got an out of court settlement. But basically, it's don't go away. And oh, don't go away. Say that yeah. you're safe forever in a day. It takes it rips the entire line. Now that's right. Yeah. So go and listen to that. Just a wee bit of music to keep me going at the end of yet another brilliant Thursday Bulletin with uh, J.P. Mason. I've thoroughly enjoyed that uh, 12, 1300 live on a Thursday afternoon. Anyone in the Belfast area, come along and see us with um, Jackie McNamara and Simon Donnelly tomorrow night. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, and tomorrow, due to my, my travel, uh, James McKenzie will be hosting the show with Alan Morrison and Kevin Graham. All that's left for me to say is give us a wee thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and thank you to J.P. Mason for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Cheers, Paul. Podcast Network.